Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Of course, you can contact Rob very easily at 860-413-3938 and online at www.robgw.com. Well, good morning there, my friend. Hey, Gary. Good morning to you. How's it going? Well, you know how it is. Well, it's it's uh, you know mid November. It's Saturday morning, and uh, everybody's got you know Thanksgiving uh, and the holidays on on their mind. I, oh yeah, I know. I actually I meant to. Um, I, I was by the way, you went, I went on vacation. I know we didn't talk about this last week. We went right into the the topic uh, last week. But um, how was your vacay? I meant to ask you that. Oh yeah, it was great down in St. Lucia. I'll yeah. definitely be going back. Had a blast. I heard great things about St. Lucia, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, you got to have a way to, you know, step back a little bit and enjoy. Okay. So that's what we did, you know, took advantage of the beautiful weather down there and all the beaches and, you know, water parks. And Are your batteries recharged? <laughs> oh, yeah, really, really recharged. Good. You know, I don't know how anyone could do more than a week down at an all-inclusive resort. A week's good for me. Do you? I'm guilty of this. So my last few days of work leading into a vacation, my mind is already in vacation mode. But having said that, my last maybe day or two on vacation, I hate to, this is sad to admit, I'm actually heading back into the frame of mind of the amount of work that I've got waiting for me when I get back. You know, it's. Yeah, you know, I think. I've done quite a bit of traveling, you know, over the years, uh, a lot more before COVID, but I've been able to figure out a schedule while traveling to, you know, take care of my clients and kind of the, the main things that need to be done while not putting a damper on the whole day or the whole vacation, right? So, uh, you know, for me, it's about keeping a good to-do list and then making sure that I'm prepared for when I get back. So I can step back. There were quite a few things that I said, you know, I could do this today, but I don't need to do it today. I'm going to put that on the back burner till I get back, right? Mm. So then when I got back, I had a lot of clarity because I had a specific, you know, these specific couple things that needed to get done, and I had them all done very quickly when I get back. But I think having that type of organization, at least for me, it helps me during those last couple days of vacation be present. Because I know, you know, work is waiting, like you said, when you get back. But I know what the work's going to be, and I know I'm prepared for it. When I didn't used to do that, oh, gosh, I would have that anxiety those last couple of days, just trying to figure out what do I need to do and what am I walking into, right? Yeah, all the time happens to me. This same thing happens to me. You know, I went and looked at a few houses over the last, uh, I don't know, couple of weeks. I probably looked, yep. at, I look, probably looked at three houses. And, um, you, you know... The the selection, first of all, there wasn't a high inventory even at the peak, you know, time of year. Um, but it's even less now as we head into, you know, the holiday season. And the amount of people at one of these open houses that I attended was just incredible. Incredible. In fact, I got there, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes before the start time. And there was already cars up, up the street, you know, Um and I'm just finding, though, that uh, you know the bidding war is just—it's at—it's at—it's at an all-new high. You know, I mean, if you price it, ju- if you're selling your house and you price it just right, 
you're going to get people into a bidding war. I think if you overprice it, you you actually that'll work against you uh, yeah. in the bidding war. But um, I wanted to ask you, and I know we've had this discussion in the past. You know the rates. Everybody's talking about the interest rates, and you. I think you said last week that it, it peaked at an eight, and then it went right back down a few days later into the to the low sevens. But everybody, they kind of get a different rate. I mean, if someone's got a, a, a you know a, a credit score of six ten, and someone's got an eight a, a, a credit score of eight ten, they don't both get the same you know oh, interest no, rate, do they? factors that go into the interest rate the credit score is one of them but it's just one so you know we've done whole shows about mortgage pricing and interest rates but basically it's like the loan amount the state the property's in the type of property what type of loan is it meaning conventional versus like a government loan um what's the purpose of the loan is it a home purchase or is it a refinance or is it a home equity or second mortgage what is the use of the property like investment versus private like a conventional mortgage yeah yeah so the thing is when we talk rates on this show we're usually just talking about the national average interest rates that are published on google and you can find on you know freddie mac does a weekly survey of mortgage rates so that generally is going to be like just a, a generic type of scenario like you know 720 credit score with 20% down buying a single family home. But not most people do not fit in that box, right? So any given day you might see interest rate swings that, you know, could be anywhere from 1 to 2%, maybe even 3% because non-qualified mortgages might be at 10 or 11% at some points and a uh, conforming or conventional mortgage might be at 7%. So you can't, you know, you really can't look at that. One size does not fit all when it comes to mortgage rates at all. And I've had days where I'll lock one client in at 7%, and then I'm going and locking another client in at 9% on a different loan program in the same day. How can it be such a big difference? Because they're not the same deals. They're not the same clients, and all these factors are different. So, you know, just know that, and don't take your uh, interest rate advice from the Internet. I guess that's the moral of the story there. Well, they always have these mortgage calculators for you know online for free that uh, you know calculate things for you. They give you a rough estimate as far as what your monthly payment would be. You're telling people to stay away from those things, huh? Oh yeah, those I haven't really seen any scenario where those are accurate. They, <laughs> there just isn't. So. They they underestimate or overestimate? Which is it, um, or both? Most of the time, I find they way underestimate. The other thing that I find that kind of plays in with that is they'll put an interest rate on there. That's a real interest rate, but if you read the fine print, the interest rate they're putting on those calculators, it might be like a 1% below the market rate. Why and how are they able to do that is because they'll put in the fine print, you know, this includes a two-point buy-down or two-and-a-half-point buy-down. Well, the average home buyer is not going to pay a two- or three-point buy-down. Okay, so it's not realistic, but they do that to entice you, to make you think, oh, my payment could be that low. But again, so many factors play in. It's like one out of 100 that may actually be able to get any sort of payment close to what they're seeing online. So I always default to my home buyers. You know, reach out to me if you're thinking about putting in an offer, and let's run numbers. Because another thing I've seen is sometimes they'll lowball the taxes or insurance, too, on those. So I saw one the other day. It, It had the property taxes is only $1,200 a year. 
that property taxes were over $4,000 a year. So whoever used that online calculator definitely made a big financial mistake. That's yeah, why that's you a don't want to trust robots or computers to make huge financial decisions. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a big difference, obviously. Hey, oh, I, yeah. I wanted to talk to you. Maybe we can get into it this morning about um, – escrow account services you know oh yeah well the escrow accounts are top of mind right now because a lot of homeowners have seen or gotten notices from their mortgage companies their servicers that do these escrow accounts and they've been told that they owe money they've been told that their mortgage payment is going up because of the escrow accounts so i've had probably a dozen conversations in the last month or so with uh you know, clients of mine that were confused or just really uncertain about the escrow accounts, not necessarily what they were, but more why they were getting these notices and what they can do to stop it from happening in the future. So I wanted to do a refresher because we did a show on escrow accounts, you know, over a year ago. I remember, yeah. A lot of good feedback. And now with the property taxes and insurance increasing in Connecticut as well as across the country, this is a huge uh, a pain point for homeowners right now. And I also think it's important for home buyers to know about escrow accounts because they'll be able to avoid a rude awakening when they get their escrow analysis and have something like this happen. So uh, it plays a role, right? When, uh, I'm talking about a mortgage escrow account. What role does it serve a, a homeowner? Yeah, so escrow account, like just the name escrow, like what does that mean, right? So in the context of a mortgage, the escrow account is going to collect money to pay your property taxes, your hazard insurance, and your flood insurance. And the money is going to be dispersed out from that account on a set schedule on your behalf. So that's what the escrow account is. As far as how it works, when your loan is originated at the closing, the mortgage company is going to collect a specific amount for property taxes, home insurance, and and all that, so that it can be paid when those items are due. So what happens is they're going to collect this money from you. It's like funding a savings account. They're going to require that you put a certain amount in this savings account up front so that when money has to be paid out of that savings account, there'll be enough in there. And then every month when you pay your monthly mortgage payment, if your mortgage includes an escrow account in it, then they're going to set aside part of that money every month is going to go into this side account. Then they're going to periodically make payments, uh, you know, as needed. So when your insurance comes due, they'll send a payment out for the insurance. When your property taxes come due in most areas of Connecticut, it's twice a year some areas it's uh, quarterly, but mm. most areas is twice a year. In January and July, the mortgage company is then going to send out those payments on your behalf so everything gets paid and, you know, everything kind of works well. So that's really the gist of what the escrow account is and how it works. What expenses are covered through an escrow account? And, and how is, you know, how is disbursement even managed? Right. So the expenses that are covered through the escrow account are going to be property taxes, hazard insurance, and if required, flood insurance is also paid from the escrow account. Now, there's certain different escrow accounts that might allow you to have taxes included, but not insurance. Other people may want to include insurance only, but not taxes. But generally, majority of people include both the taxes and the home insurance, whether it be hazard and or flood insurance in the uh, escrow account. As far as the disbursement being managed, is the mortgage company is going to have an escrow department, and their job is to make these payments periodically as needed from the account. 
So they're going to have a schedule, and generally that schedule is going to be set up at the closing, and it's going to determine when is the next payment due for the property taxes. When is the next insurance payment going to be due? And when are all of the payments over the year going to be due, right? So is it paid quarterly? Is it paid semi-annually, annually, et cetera? So they're going to have all that documentation and set up done at the time that your mortgage is originated at the closing. And then on an ongoing basis, they're going to uh, you know, manage that account and send those payments out. Sometimes they'll send payments electronically. Sometimes they'll send them by you know, paper check or by mail. Um, but it makes it so that you as the actual homeowner, as the one paying the mortgage every month, you don't have to worry about writing a separate check right. to pay your yeah. property taxes or That's insurance. True. It's paid through the mortgage company. So at what stage is, is an escrow account established? And, and, and actually, where? Where is it detailed within the closing documentation? Yeah. So the stage that it's going to be put in place is going to be at the closing. So it's not done beforehand, and it's generally not going to be done after the closing. It's going to be done at the closing. So when we lock your mortgage in, we're going to, as the mortgage originators, we're going to determine whether the uh, mortgage includes escrow or not. And if it does include escrow, then they're going to go through this initial deposit uh, at the closing, which is going to be included in your closing costs, so that you can have these items, again, prepaid into the escrow account so they can be paid as they're due. Now, as far as where it's detailed within the closing documentation is going to be on the settlement statement or what's known in the industry as the closing disclosure, CD. Uh, it's going to be a document you'll sign at the closing that has the reconciliation of all the fees and charges uh, that you're going to pay, as well as your monthly mortgage payment breakdown. And on the second page of that closing disclosure or settlement statement, generally there's going to be a section that's going to say prepaid items and uh, you know collection for your escrow account. And that's going to detail all of the payments that are being made uh, into the escrow account at the closing. So if you're wondering if you have one or what or how it was set up, go look at those closing documents. Look for that closing disclosure. No, I'm wondering where the funds come from to set up the escrow account. Yep, so the funds for setting up the escrow account are prepaid items collected at the closing. So it's uh, generic, we could just say it's lumped in as part of your closing costs. So we've done a lot of uh, shows and educational pieces about closing costs and the different pieces. The, the escrow or the prepaid items are one piece of the closing costs that you're going to pay at the closing. So the money comes from, generally, it's going to come from you. It's going to come from whoever is paying the closing costs at the closing. Of course, there's certain circumstances where you may have the seller paying some or all of your closing costs at the closing. And in that case, if you have the seller paying your closing costs and prepaid items, then the seller would be paying some or all of the, uh, you know, this escrow collection. But in most of these circumstances, especially in today's market, where there's not as much seller concessions going on as there was previously, the buyer is the one that's going to be responsible for those uh, escrow costs. And again, they're just going to be lumped in as part of your closing costs. Are mortgage escrow accounts... Are they mandatory uh, for all types of loans, or is that up to the individual uh, buyer? So they're not mandatory for all types of loans. They are mandatory on FHA or or most government-backed loans, will require it. So if you're getting a government-backed loan, even if you're putting a large down payment, you are still generally going to be required to have an escrow account. Conventional loans 
do not require an escrow account as long as you're putting more than 20% down. So if you're putting more than 20% down, you'll have the option of including an escrow account or not. Um, it's really personal preference. If you're someone that's good with money, you're good with saving, you don't mind paying those bills out of your own account, then not having an escrow account is a great way to go. If you're someone, though, that wants simplicity and you want to just make one payment every month and not have to worry about managing your taxes and insurance, well, in that case, then you'll want to have an escrow account. And I'll tell you that the majority of homeowners do choose to have an escrow account um, because, again, it's just easier simplicity, consolidation of bills into one payment. It's attractive to a lot of people. So ask your loan officer about it if you are putting more than 20% down. And uh, a little side note is if you get an escrow account at your closing on a conventional loan and then many years down the line or even a couple years you decide you don't want one anymore, I have heard of many mortgage servicers that will allow you to request their escrow to be removed off of your, uh, off of your mortgage and they will allow that to be done. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can reach him very easily online at www.robgw.com. Of course, you can also call him to make an appointment. I know, I know, that's old school. 860-413-3938. Um, there's got to be, like anything else, Rob, some drawbacks or maybe even potential issues associated with maintaining an escrow account, you know, like such as something called uh, an escrow shortage. Want to explain what that would be? Or Yeah. I mean, this is the big drawback of the escrow account. Yeah. You know, what's the catch on the escrow account besides having to put the money in up front? Uh, the other piece of the puzzle that people get a rude awakening on is what's called an escrow shortage, okay? The escrow shortage is when, naturally, your property taxes go up and or your home insurance goes up, and then the mortgage company has to raise your mortgage payment in order to accommodate that shortage. So a lot of the time, the way it works is the mortgage company gets notified of an increase on your tax and insurance, and then they go to make that payment out of your escrow, and there's not enough money in the escrow account. So it's like there's a shortage in your account. So rather than not paying the bill, what happens is the mortgage company will go ahead, they will pay that bill on your behalf. They will advance the money for you, kind of like overdraft protection. So they will take the money out of their account and advance that on your behalf so the taxes or insurance will get paid, but then they will come back to you to get repaid. So generally, that's when you get this notice in the mail saying your account's short and you owe a bunch of money. I've seen cases where it might be as little as 20 or $30. I've seen other cases where it can be, you know, into the several hundred or even thousands of dollars in cases like new construction homes or when someone does, you know, renovations or something to increase the value of the property. Those are the circumstances where you see major escrow shortages. I would tell you on average right now, Across, you know, both Connecticut and Massachusetts, I'm probably seeing, you know, maybe about uh, $1,000 a year uh, average shortage, somewhere in that range. So, you know, that can be a meaningful change to your mortgage payment, you know, 80 to to $100 a month. And then also, you're not only having to make up the shortage from last time, but you also have to increase the amount you're putting in towards the next payment. So do you see how that can be kind of a financial yeah, uh, debacle, right? How much should you put in to this escrow account? 
Well, you don't have to worry about how much you have to put in because that is determined by the mortgage company at the time of, you know, your mortgage being originated. So there's going to be a few people that are going to determine that, um, a few different sets of eyeballs that are going to double-check that. But basically the gist of it is there's in these computer systems that are used by closing departments at mortgage companies will put in when your taxes are due, all the different installments, when your insurance is due, and then that software system will calculate how much needs to go into the escrow account to make sure that it's 100% accurate um, without any issue. So the, the problem isn't necessarily, Gary, how much is being put into the escrow account and when. It's more so the fact that the expenses increased and there's no way to say, oh, in two years your taxes are going to go up by $2,000, right? So because there's no way to do that, it ends up being these notices people get, this rude awakening on these escrow shortages. So, I mean, that's the bad part of having an escrow account, but if you know your tax and insurance is going up, then you have to be ready for it. Don't be one of these people that just takes the tax bill and insurance bill and just throws it in the trash or puts it in a pile of mail. You need to look at these things because you are going to get notified about this way ahead of time, and if you actually read through it and compare it, you'll be prepared versus waiting for the mortgage company to tell you you owe all this money. Can homeowners receive refunds or uh, may even recoup any funds from an escrow account? And, and, and if so, how long would it take to receive them after paying, uh, you know, maybe after a payoff or a closing? Oh, yeah. So the bright spot of mortgage escrow accounts and where people really smile when it comes to escrow is the refunds of escrow accounts. Now, we haven't really been hearing about lately because not as many people have been refinancing, but I will tell you that you will get an escrow refund typically when refinancing or selling your home. Anytime a mortgage is paid off that had an escrow account, generally an escrow refund will be issued as long as there was money left over in that escrow. Now, there's different ways that they get you that money. Sometimes it can come as a credit on the payoff statement called a net escrow payoff. And in that case, the mortgage company will just say, you owe us that much less money when you pay the mortgage off. They'll just deduct off the refund from the total you owe them. Most mortgage companies that don't do that, but some do, all the other ones will just issue you a checkout. Uh, they'll send a check out generally within a couple weeks of paying off the mortgage. The timeline is going to be different for every mortgage servicer, but what I tell all my clients is, you know, be ready to wait up to 30 days for that money to come back to you in the mail after your payoff or after your closing. If you don't have a check or some sort of notification about an escrow refund within 30 days of your closing, then reach out to your previous mortgage company and ask them about it. They should be able to tell you, you know, if you were to do a refund, how much it was and when it was sent out or kind of what happened. So that's how you should, uh, that's how you should. How often it. does that happen? And, and is, it, is it collecting interest while it's in the bank? Yeah, so there is a legal amount of interest that has to be paid on these escrow accounts, but because the balances are, you know, we're not talking about $100,000 in them, so the amount of interest that's paid on them is, you know, pennies. Yeah. But, yes, there definitely is interest that's required to be paid in, in uh, I believe, all cases. All right. My... So as far as how often, it's annually. It's on your annual, okay. your one-year anniversary of when you took that mortgage. My that's final... what they're going to escrow uh, analyze. My final question, Rob, is is how frequently are these escrow accounts reviewed uh, or even analyzed? And can homeowners request an analysis if, if they choose to? Yeah, so the uh, anniversary date of your mortgage is generally when they're going to trigger 
an automatic analysis of the escrow account. So if you took your mortgage out, you know, November of 2021, then November of every year is generally when they're going to do that analysis of the escrow account. They'll send you it in the mail and or put it online on the website. And you want to look at this closely. I have clients quite often call me when they get this and we go through it together so they can understand what's going on and kind of the why behind it. The big piece that everyone needs to understand is that whether you have a mortgage escrow account or not, your property taxes and insurance are going to have to be paid. So it's not like you get out of paying this stuff if you don't have a mortgage or there's a way to, you know, reduce these expenses. The tax and insurance on a home is generally going to be the same whether you have a mortgage or not. It's just a matter of whether you're paying it or whether the mortgage company is paying it for you. Wow. Good to know. Uh, do you uh, you recommend these? And, and uh, you had said something earlier. I just wanted to clarify. If you put more than 20% down, you don't, at least from a legal perspective, you're not legally obligated to have an escrow account, right? So It's not a legal obligation. No, it's more of a mortgage guideline. So... If you are putting more than 20% down on a conventional mortgage, then mortgage lenders will not require you to have okay. an escrow account. It's not a legal requirement. It's a mortgage guideline requirement. I will state that the guidelines for mortgage escrow accounts are different in the state of California. So California does have some legal things with escrow accounts that other states do not have, where I believe you only need to put 10% down in California in order to waive your escrow. In all other states, it's 20% down or more. Again, generally on a conventional loan for that. So it's you have the option whether you want it or not. It's more of a personal preference. And I have that conversation with my clients. You know, if, they, if there's an advantage or a convenience to having them escrow or not. So it's something you recommend? I, some people I do recommend it and some people I don't. I find that my self-employed clients higher income, higher net worth type of clients that have a uh, history of saving money, they are the ones that don't really need it. You know, they're good enough at budgeting and saving on their own. There's an advantage to them paying those expenses on their own. The ones where I 100% recommend it pretty much without exception is first-time home buyers or younger home buyers that maybe aren't as uh, experienced when it comes to juggling all the financial balls in the air when it comes to home ownership. Well, that makes sense. Folks, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Uh, if you'd like more information on this show or any of the others that we uh, we record, we, we produce for you every Saturday morning, simply head to Rob's website. It's www.robgw.com. By the way, if you'd like to uh, email us uh, on this show, you can you can get it aired as soon as uh, next weekend's show. Or maybe you've got a, a question of a personal nature when it comes to your particular situation. Feel free to email Rob at Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And if you're like me, you're kind of old-fashioned, you like to do it the old-fashioned way, and you like to set up an appointment with Rob, this is how to do that. Uh, it'll expedite things a little bit. Give him a buzz, 860 413 I'll repeat that for you. I'll slow it down. Write it down so you can call him now to make the appointment for next week. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long.